Well, listeners, welcome back to um, When You Think Taylor Swift. We have returned from summer vacation. We're in the same time zone once again. I am Hannah. I'm Madeline, and I'm now in Philadelphia. So if there are any Taylor heads in Philadelphia who want to talk some tea, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Any Taylor heads. That's a good one. It's better than Swifties. I think Swifties is the dumbest name in the but entire Taylor world. Taylor head. Now that's but Taylor not dumb. Heads. <laughs> uh, well, uh, today we hope that you think of folklore in honor of this little baby having its first birthday this past month. I guess now it's September. Um, we're going to talk about folklore. away like a bottle of wine. That it certainly did. In my notes, I wrote about August. This month has never existed before this song. (laughs) Facts. Um, Yeah, so we're going to talk about folklore today. Um, We're going to give you guys some track-by-track thoughts. Uh, Who knows what else? You're just going to have to wait and see. Um, Madeline is lounging on a couch right now. We're ready. We're ready to go. My new pink couch Listeners, if Shipped. you could only see it, it's amazing. Hauled, actually. You hauled. I, yeah, I got it for $20 on Facebook Marketplace, and I hauled it across the country with my mother. Uh, she no really car did involved. Most of the hauling. It was arm day. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so we're ready. We are on a pink couch. There's no better place to talk about folklore. Um, so let's start off with the one. The opening track. What do you think about this song as an opening track? Um, I think it's a cool opening track. I think I think it sets the tone for we're kind of going someplace new, but I definitely think for first-time listeners of this album, it has a little bit more of like the poppy, light R&B vibes that Taylor had been playing with before. Like you're not you're not fully submerged into singer-songwriter Bon Iver vibes from track one, which I think is pretty successful here. Yeah. And I think, like, the opening lyrics, too, being, like, I'm doing good, I'm on some new shit. I remember listening to, like, hearing this album the first time and hearing the, like, and then that line, and I was like, like, you know, angels pulled me up to heaven with that. But I do think it sets the tone like very effectively it's like yeah we know you are on some new shit you just said shit so i don't know what's happening here um (laughs) but i really love this song honestly i think like even i I really like it as an album opener but i also just really like it as a song um also i think we probably talked about this in the in one of the many kaler episodes but this song is definitely about carly class um given that it is called the one and it's the number one and the one is the highway that they would have driven going to Big Sur. Also, like, Rosé flowing with your chosen family. That's gay. So I just, I like that we're starting off, um, we're starting off gay there. Also, she could have called it the O-N-E, like the, the one spelled it out like she did with seven on this album. But given that it's the number one, she's referencing the highway. I would hear nothing else of it. I also think, like, when I first heard this song, I was really like, Okay, so Taylor and Joe broke up, mm-hmm. which is totally, I mean, a sentiment that's echoed throughout this album and Evermore. I mean, 
sure it's like narrative fiction or whatever but i heard this song and i was like she's on some new shit it would have been cool if it would have been you yeah like ah when i first heard that i was like they are no longer together which it is still just like such a curious choice and i'm I'm curious as to what you think about it. Like, definitely, we we both think and acknowledge that it's probably about Carly. But also, like, what an interesting choice to start mm. this record with that kind of sentiment. Yeah, I had never thought about it like that, honestly, because it's not exactly like this is a breakup song, but it's like a post-breakup song, you know? But it's still Which like is, wistfully thinking about the person that you wish you were with who's right. different from the person you're with now, which you're kind of okay with. Like, it does seem like she's okay with it, but it does just seem a little bit odd. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that, but it is it is weird. I don't know. And it, it is, it's interesting that, right, like, that kind of, like, wistful... Uh, like longing gay um is like what starts the album and then also there are all these other things like woven like then we get invisible string and we get peace and we get these other like things but later but this it does set a weird tone for like what is going on with her and joe i don't know yeah definitely i do have to say that like i like this song a lot but I'm not like obsessed with it. I think, I think to me, it kind of sets apart from the rest of the album. Like it's its own thing, kind of like it almost feels like a single to me, which I think for the reasons that I talked about, like I think it's a good way to lead people in to this album who are coming off of like lover and reputation and stuff like that. But um, I enjoy listening to it, but it's not like, anywhere near my top like folklore songs or like Mm -hmm. taylor songs but i i know a lot of people who it is like they really love it and return to it a lot on this album yeah i think also by virtue of it being the first song on the album like i listen to it a lot because whenever i like i always i'll listen to this album in order for the most part Mm -hmm. yeah definitely me too then it grows on me in that way too what are other first um first tracks for taylor like i think about i forgot that you existed I love that song. People don't really do like too. that song, but I, I like love it. I think it's a great and I song. Think it's an awesome album opener. Yeah. And I thought that it would kill me, but it didn't. Um, I'm looking at her other, at every album. Okay. So Evermore is Willow. Um, mm-hmm. Folklore is the one. Lover is I Forgot That You Existed. Reputation is Ready For It. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. A hilarious um, song. <laughs> Oh God, dark. Um, 1989 is Welcome to New York, which yeah, that's great. is a cursed song, but it fits that yeah. um, album. Red is State of Grace, which oh, as you know, I'm amazing. obsessed with, but it's kind of an interesting opener also, because that is a similar tone of being like, no, I'm conflating it with Holy Ground. Just kidding. State of Grace isn't isn't a wistful, well, it is kind of a wistful song, but it's not, not it's in the a same It's a mood setter for is. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speak Now is Mine. Huh, that's kind of interesting. That is, yeah. <laughs> fearless is Fearless. Wow. And then debut is Tim McGraw. Tim I McGraw, believe- I think, is a great opener. That's really interesting. It is a great opener. That's such like a great introduction to Taylor Swift. 
the actually this is really the the order i know we're not talking about this album we'll get there eventually but the order of this album is really interesting the first three songs are tim mcgraw picture to burn teardrops on my guitar oh three bangers i know but yeah really interesting first three songs yeah Hmm. but anyways yeah i do think this is one of her most effective um album openers um any other thoughts about the one no then let's talk about cardigan what do you think about cardigan um i think cardigan is an interesting song i think i like it i don't love it but i think it's doing really interesting things and it's an interesting song to me that it is so popular and it was like Mm -hmm. a lead single and that i think it's kind of like weird and creative and experimental and it's just interesting to me that it is so popular with like the masses yeah yeah she picks weird for singles she is she always does i I know know yeah we know that but it's really just alarming um yeah this song has grown on me definitely i remember the first time listening i really did not care for it but i still don't really love it that much which i know like a lot of people do love this song so if you're listening and you really love this song i would like some insight um i like i I, there are some fun like turns of phrase in this song though like also that make me curious where she's like i knew you leaving like a father Mm -hmm. running like water which i think it's like a a good lyric but also i'm like what's your dad's father yeah yeah she's got some bad stuff but i don't know what it is yeah, this album is like there's really some dead. There's a lot of dead stuff, stuff yeah. happening here. I'm like, what the hell is sequin smile, black lipstick, sensual politics? Like, okay, but like, yeah, again, like Taylor, how does that relate to you? I have no idea. Sensual politics. It's like I okay, guess, well, we well, can definitely like, read into that. I know. All I can all I can really tie there is um like the bleachella post reputation uh-huh. era yeah, right. where she that one that one po- photo of her that i'm envisioning um but still yeah like literally what does that mean i still don't know um i do like the sentiment of mm-hmm. this song um that like when you're young, they assume you know nothing. I knew you yeah. taught me. I think that that's really powerful. I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but the chasing shadows in the grocery line is so interesting to me mm-hmm. because, like, to think about that in reference to celebrity and, like, anyone Taylor Swift dates, she'll always be, like, chasing them in the grocery line on tabloids checking Mm -hmm. out which i think that didn't hit me at first i was like oh maybe it's like in your old small town grocery store in this theoretical made-up fictional universe like you could run into them at the grocery store where this is like this much more pervasive if you're famous like we talked about stevie nicks and what's the song you'll never lose sight of the woman yeah uh, but if you're famous, you can, like, never get away from a, f- a fellow celebrity ex. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about the ways that the rest of us can't really do that either. I think in, like, a time mm-hmm. before social media, maybe that was actually possible. But we kind of all have our 
our tabloids in the grocery line, which are just inside right. our phones, you know? And I guess you can actively choose to block someone, which Taylor Swift could too, but she can't avoid seeing them on a magazine at the checkout. Yeah. Which I think is also like a classic, like, um, uh, like Taylor Swift speaking about like an incredibly personal, like very few people are like dealing with seeing their exes on like, you know, people magazine while they're checking out at the grocery store, but also to like boil that sentiment down to be like, yeah, chasing shadows in the grocery line. Yeah. Um, is a classic Taylor. Also just the sentiment that like when you, you know, when you think that you see someone Yes. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what would that mean if it was really them? And like 90 percent of the time, it's not them. But that sentiment of like waiting and wondering and like always kind of be on guard for like, what if Mm -hmm. she does just run into Carly Kloss in the West Village at like a bodega? It could happen. Heartbeat on the High Line once in 20 lifetimes. Never forget that I ran into Carly Claus. If I can run into Carly Claus, Taylor Only Swift this definitely dress. can. Um, <laughs> I think what's interesting about this song is, like, once again, we have no pronouns. Mm-hmm. It's And it's, it's only kind of you. just, like, a free-form song, right? Like, it's all mm-hmm. these references to these little vignettes that don't necessarily get put together. <laughs> and yeah. I... I think that it's pretty interesting. She has this verse where she says, a friend to all is a friend to none. Chase two girls, lose the one. And then we can obviously think about that as like a reference to Betty and August. But it's also really interesting to think about Taylor and if that relates to her and what she was going through. And we just don't know who's really who. (laughs) Yeah. We just don't. I think this is also, like, again, like, she's doing some, like, really fun wordplay in this song that I think she does, like, pretty consistently throughout this album, right? Like, chase two girls, lose the one. Like, are you losing one of the girls or are you losing the The one one. TM? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, a lot. I think in this album, repeatedly, she does all of these, like, kind of double entendres and Mm -hmm. then even further into, like, triple entendres with, like, a lot of her lyrics, which is super fun and clever and I think makes all of the songs like that much better for like, I I think her songwriting is just like really at its peak on this album. Yeah. And it's at its peak because it's getting right with all these double, triple entendres and these loose vignettes that like, sure you can patch together some of them in like the Betty James August trio But then beyond that, it just becomes like art in a way that's like Jimmy Mitchell and we're playing with poetry and songs and it becomes a lot harder to nail them down, which is both like the beauty and the great masterwork of this album and what makes it a doozy for us. Taylor heads. Yes. Taylor heads. Oh, God. Um. My last thing to say about Cardigan is what the fuck is a tattoo kiss? I like that. I knew you'd though. linger like I like that line too. I really love like I knew you'd linger like a tattoo kiss. I knew you'd haunt all of my what ifs. The smell of smoke would hang around this long because I knew everything when I was young. But what is a tattoo kiss? I've I just, always thought that when I listened to I that. just think it's I like, think the kiss she just is, phrased just it weirdly. It? Yeah, I think she just phrased it weirdly. 
It's like, yeah, it's just like a, a kiss that's tattooed on you that you can't get rid of. I, I don't think there is such you a thing. You made a mark on me a golden kiss. tattoo. Yeah. Okay, well, the next Great American... Or nope, not the next. The last Great American Dynasty. Um, I remember when this album came out, I don't... I think it was either... No, it was Rob Sheffield. He tweeted or something like when we... Like in the 12 hours between Taylor dropping that Instagram post that haunts me and dropping Folklore, he was like... He had already heard the album and he was like, The Last Great American Dynasty is the best song Taylor Swift has ever written. Hmm. I think Pitchfork also put something to that effect in their review of this album. And I don't know that it's the best song that she's ever written, but I love this song. Mm-hmm. I really like this song too. And it was super interesting how many people in my life who are like not Taylor's super fans were like really yes. into this song, which I just could not have bet money on this. I thought people were going to be like, too. why is Taylor talking about stupid old white aristocrats in Rhode Island? But it's a it's a banging song. I mean, I it's like so it a It's so good. Lot. I know. I had the same recently somebody I work with texted me and was like, who does not really like Taylor Swift? And she was like, I just heard the last great American dynasty and I can't stop listening to it. Like I'm obsessed with this song. And I was like, of every song, this is the one that like did it for you. I mean, I'm not mad, but I am just like, it just seems like niche. Like to me, it seems like the lucky one or like these other historical things that she's done before. And that are like kind of just for Taylor and Taylor alone. And it, it really yeah. is interesting to me that one of those has become such a, um, like a, an access point to people for Taylor. Yeah. I have I, a yeah. weird um, relationship and history to this song because I have known about freaking Holiday House and the drama that is Holiday House, which is where Taylor's, that's Taylor Swift's Rhode Island home, since my first year of college at Wellesley, my roommate would tell me like every night before we went to sleep the story of Holiday House and how it was rightfully hers. <laughs> which I was like, okay, I've never heard about like, I mean, I love like old houses and histories and stuff, but I've never heard anyone in my life claim that a house was rightfully theirs. And I was like, maybe this is just a New England wasp thing. And while I do think that is true, it it very much became unhinged and that my roommate was a, a piece of work. But I heard about Holiday House all the time and I cannot believe I lived to see the day where there was a song commemorating this mythical holiday house that I heard about as a bedtime story. Yeah, Yeah. your your lullaby. Seriously, it's crazy. I was like, not more holiday house discourse, (laughs) but this ended up being good. Oh my god. I don't never, even know yeah, never why ever... the house was rightfully hers. It was I was like about to say, yeah, what is stolen... the lineage? <laughs> I don't know. It's something like her family supposedly owned it back in the day, which I'm like, when Taylor talks in this song, you know, about like the uh, women with madness, their men of right. habits, and then it was bought by me. I guess one of those must have been her ancestor That's... at some point. And then I don't know. 
because they lost their oil money or whatever it might be, they had to move to a smaller mansion across the street. Uh, so embarrassing. But I think that it really is like the crown jewel of this of Watch Hill, this town in yeah. Rhode Island. And it, it really is a huge source of gossip, which you, you understand when you listen to this song. But I can just attest to you that in real life, Holiday House is very gossiped about even now. So to this day, interesting to have it crystallized in a song. It seems like Watch Hill, Rhode Island is a place of great drama. Yeah. Extreme wasp um, world there. Yeah. I really love that. um, Every night you were told about how it was rightfully hers. (laughs) I should be living. In Holiday House. She was like, I don't like Taylor Swift. That's like, I remember moving in. And I put up my Taylor Swift poster in our room. It was like a really cute screen printed poster that Taylor sold on her website for like just a short little bit from like some concert in Cleveland or something. It was like, yeah, we had the same one I remember. Yeah. Yeah. With like, it was really cute. Mm -hmm. It was really, really cool. Um, but anyways, I was putting it up in our room and she was like, I don't like Taylor Swift because she stole my house. I was like, oh, my a harbinger of things God. to come. Seriously. Uh, um, I, I have to say, I love the line in this song. Um, the wedding was charming if a little gauche. Oh, I just think that line is so gauche. good. I know. Amazing. I, I, I loved, loved that too. I also think it's funny. She talked about how she like has sat on um, Marvelous since using it in Starlight. Mm-hmm. And this is like a funny way to turn it around. Um, but also I think like it is interesting just thinking about like people who aren't um, Taylor heads being really into this song. Cause I think she also like uses the like classic Taylor Swift country music also device of like having this like narrative. And then in the last like chunk of the song, she's like, and that was me. And that country, right? Is Oh, totally. Yeah. Like that's, I just think like, I mean, I get that it's kind of like in some ways like a cheap trick in songwriting, but I freaking like it. Sue I know, me. also it works. It's yeah, great. Like every time. And I get, you know, there are so many songs where Taylor does this too, like in Mary's song, in mine. Yeah, in I love, love all of those songs. Like, <laughs> I, they're all, yeah, they're all good. They're all like popular for a reason. And so it's fun. I think one that like this is a song that is not really country at all, but like still uses, like she still is keeping little bits of that. I like to see that lineage, but then also I like that. Like, I think subconsciously that's why people who aren't necessarily like super into Taylor are Mm -hmm. into this song is because they're like this narrative device, like works. This is really fun. Like, this is cool. This is interesting. This is good. Like, even if they're not consciously like, wow, that's so neat that like it was her house all along. Like it, it is, it's like a device that's worked and that has worked for like, the duration of people writing songs and I also and the Taylor does specifically well. Yeah. She, she really, really does. And I think that's the thing that like, I bet you a lot of those people like don't listen to country music. I, I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that's like country music for all of its like beers and pickup trucks and all of this stuff. Like, of course there's beautiful, amazing, redeemable country music. There are amazing artists who have been doing really incredible things. And I think that, 
once like those were the things like narrative devices like this that really pulled me in to some country music and folk music mm-hmm. and stuff like that in the beginning it's also kind of like a folklore tactic right like it's a storytelling totally. thing on an album called folklore and those are really compelling and interesting things that i think some people haven't had experience with because maybe they lump country music into these categories which it often is but it's like this is the good stuff at least in my opinion and here we get it in another form via taylor swift which she is like a great translator of different musical genres into one totally and i think yeah this like the like folklore aspect of it too i was looking at um the like fun facts about the song on on genius for full disclosure and um the like line where it, it's the the bridge where she's like they say she was seen on occasion facing the rock staring out at the midnight sea in a feud with her neighbor she stole her dog and died at Keem Lime Green like I love it was actually Keem the neighbor's I know it's so good but it was the neighbor's cat but it's like this fun you know like she's like now twisting this story as like all of these like neighbors are twisting the story about who this woman was mm. like she takes it another step you know like just all of these like turns and turns and turns time mystical time. Do you um, think she was like, no violence can be done to cats? I must honestly, say, probably. <laughs> Her TikTok presence would make me think so. I do love that part. I think this this is such a this song is such a good representation to me of like nerd Taylor. Like I just imagine yes. Taylor like sitting in the archives, like just surrounded by newspaper clippings. Um, that she has in like some giant folder in the basement of this house. And I think like she's, we know that she's been nerding out on the history of this house for like a long time, but to turn it into a song just seems like the perfect quarantine activity. And also like her really up in her, up in her shit. Like this is her bag. Yeah. Yeah. And she talked about that too. in like the long pod and sessions where she was like, everyone I know got so tired of hearing me tell this story over and over to every single person who came to my house that I made it into a song. And it's like, yeah, like this is really, you're in it. You're living in your world right now, writing this song and turning this like thing you won't stop talking about into a song that now makes people get really into you. So, And it just is so interesting because I think like, as I said, like Watch Hill, as evidenced by my first year college roommate who still lives there, at least partially, is an incredibly gossipy, waspy place. And mm-hmm. it just really is interesting in that, like, Taylor still really is the Rebecca of Watch Hill to this day. Yeah. And people are constantly hating on her and gossiping about her there. And she doesn't give an F, it seems nope. to be, which we love her for. Yeah. Charming if a little gauche. There's only so far new money goes. But it can go as far as to buy you a $27 million house. Is that how much it costs? I feel like I remember seeing that in like People Magazine or something, but I might have made that up. Let's see. I really want to know, like, which I get is like a security breach, but like, where does Taylor have houses now? She was kind of into property flipping for a while. Like, yeah, <laughs> Cape Cod. Well, place? okay, the um, yeah, that was Scott, like a real estate was... investment. I feel like Scott, but so, like, Taylor definitely, I would think, still has a place in New York. What she is bought it? it for 17 million dollars cash 
2013. I wonder what that... Oh my god! Cash. I like that they specify she showed up with a, a, a that suitcase. Everybody thought she was hiding in. That was just her house money. <laughs> but what do you think? So she, I, I think okay, she must so, yes. have some kind of place in New York. Do I think th- so too. Yeah. Do you think she still She's has the that... Nashville place? Yeah. Yeah. And then she she has a place in L.A. Does she, though? She has a place in London. I think so. Also, like, where is she hanging out? Where has she been for the past, like, year? In upstate? Like, Long Pond is in upstate New York, right? Yes, but she recorded it in her house in L.A. She built LA. Um, a recording studio. In L.A., though. Interesting. Ooh, which is apparently the um, Samuel Golden Goldwyn Estate. Oh, let's find that. It's also, uh, okay, it was bought in 2015 by Taylor Swift, and then it was made a National Historic Landmark in 2017. Who's Samuel Golden? I don't know. He's a Polish-American film producer. Fascinating. I can't say if I, I'm not sure if I love the look of it, but I want Taylor to do an architectural digest so badly. Dude, yeah. An open door. Wait, so, wait, what was the one that she did the 73 questions in? That was Nashville, right? But it, I feel like maybe she has a place in I Nashville like- that's different from the birdcage place. I think so, because also I'm thinking about Miss Americana, and she's in Nashville with Abigail, remember, in, like, her right. kitchen? That's- and that is not the birdcage. No, house. that is that's the where she. Place. Oh, it is? Yes, it's the one, because it has, like, the weird Coca-Cola machine in the in the kitchen and stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. She Oh, she's in LA when she does the 73 questions. Oh, interesting. So is that this? That's the house. Yeah. Hmm. I have to rewatch this. Me too. I feel like they don't show very much of the house in it. No. Hmm. Well, this has been a, a interesting detour <laughs> to Los Angeles. Uh from Watch Ill. Okay, Exile. Mm-hmm. This song bangs. I like this song. I got. I like it. this song too. Um, I like that it starts out in this like super low, not very bony bear sounding voice, and it's like all, and then we turn it all the way into the when Justin Vernon like screams, mm-hmm. the so step right out. I love that part. What a what a turn. I think I am famously a last time apologist and i think that this this song is the last time with gary lightbody but just like 10 times better and seeing it out to its full potential and i just i really love to hear her duet in -hmm. the latter half of the song like when their voices come together and i think it's so Mm -hmm. like just the concept of this song of um like you never gave me any signs. I gave you so many signs is so powerful as a duet. And I think it works really nicely and really well. Um, I also just, I love that it's a duet, but like it's almost a duel. Like it's these dueling halves, which I think is very interesting. And I think clearly because um, Taylor Revere's Justin Vernon so much. She gave him a lot to work with on this song. And I'm just really hopeful that she can do more of this in the future, especially with her female collaborators of like, Mm -hmm. I am positive Taylor can get really creative with like 
two different perspectives and how they meld together with two voices. And we've talked right. about why she thinks she's hesitant to duet, especially with female artists. But I think that this is just such a promising um, example of where she could go with that. Or we talked about this like in the Babe music video and mm-hmm. how she has this kind of like she's the other woman um, duetting with the protagonist of the song and that's like that's like a really interesting interchange that changes the meaning of the song completely in the music video and the way that she sings it which i just think she could play with a lot more in the future and i hope she does yeah totally i especially thinking about like the phoebe bridger song that's going to be on red like (laughs) i do not want like twinkly Phoebe Bridgers in the background. I want like a full blown duet a la this song. And I think you're totally right that like the, the like layering pieces and the like two different perspectives make this song like such a compelling duet, especially when, as we've talked about before, I think a lot of other songs, a lot of her other duets have not worked quite as well. Um, And this one, I think just like really nails it. Yeah. What do you what do you think in the conversation of like featuring other female artists on songs? I'm just thinking about uh, Lord's new album, which came mm-hmm. out Solar Power and how um, Claro and uh, Phoebe Bridgers are f- featured on that song. I guess I shouldn't really even say featured. I think they really are just like doing backing vocals. But it's interesting to see. And I think it puts into context the stuff with Taylor Because definitely I think the way that Taylor has employed women in the past is like, it's too strong to call them features when really what they're Mm -hmm. doing is backing vocals. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting to hear like Claro and Phoebe on Lords and be like, I can, I cannot hear them. Yeah. I can't hear them. Can you hear them? I can only hear them honestly on like the vinyl because I think the production is a little bit different. Cause when I listen to the exact same song, like it, it sounds totally different in, when I'm listening on my phone versus like when I listen to the record. Um, so fancy. But even then, uh, yeah, Madeline got me a record player and now I've turned into somebody who's like, it really sounds a lot better on vinyl. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, it, it it is interesting. I only hear them though. I, I can hear them there, but only because I know they're there and because I'm listening for them, you know? Like, I don't think yeah. that if I didn't aggressively like listen to both of those artists and like know what their voices sound like pretty well and also know that they're featured on certain songs, I don't know that I would hear them. Yeah. And it is interesting. I agree because I don't know that this is like a good thing or a bad thing or if there is any like value judgment to be had here, but. Like, with whatever that song is called, You All Over Me with Maren Morris. Like, mm-hmm. Maren Morris is backing vocals there. And it's interesting to me that Taylor lists her as a featured artist versus, like, with this Lord record, like, Phoebe and Claro are both... They're not listed... They're listed in, like, the the track production, mm. like, liner notes, but they're not listed in the title of the song. And I'm sure there are, like, a million and one things that go into that, but... I do think it's interesting that all of the times that Taylor has collaborated with other artists, like even when it's just Marin Morris, like taking the low harmony in like the second verse of a song, like Marin Morris is in the the song title, you know? Yeah. I think that's, that's a really interesting reframing. And like, what if all of this time when we've been like shading Taylor, it's like, that actually means like maybe they get more money out of the song, you know, like they get it. Right. Or even just like more, like, like Maren Morris is not that well known 
outside of certain circles, I think. And like for Marin Morris, though, to be like on a Taylor Swift named on a Taylor Swift record, like probably does a lot more for her than like her being in the liner notes. Right. Um, and I think that also tracks with like Taylor's whole deal of, you know, giving like, artists their due. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I think like our point still stands that mm-hmm. cool, great, great. It's great to use other women as like backing vocals. And it's so cool that you collaborated with Bonnie Vare on this song. Like it would be so cool to see you do something like that with another woman in, in the future. The song is just like so compelling and interesting and well-made and it's like, we can, you can do this. Like it really does. Yeah. Like this song makes me feel like kind of crazy when I listen to it. I'm like, you have so many signs, but like there's so much happening here. And it's like, this is not, this is like a, this is not, a Justin Vernonism that you got to be a part of. Like this is something, mm-hmm. this is like a Taylor Swift song. And like, this is a thing that you can do with other artists really well. And like, what if you did it with other female artists? Yeah. Riddle me that Joker. Um. Yeah. What do you think about, like, you were my crown, now I'm in exile seeing you out? I just never quite understood what you are my crown means, but I like it. I think we talked about this actually around the same time that Folklore came out of, like, the conversation between, or maybe it wasn't this, but, like, there's you were my crown, now I'm in exile seeing you out in this song. And then in Hoax, there's my kingdom come undone. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some kind of through line there. I don't really know what it is. There are, like, a million through lines on this album that... I don't I know. think we're going to get to on this episode, but there's some super interesting, like, and, and across evermore too, but like, right. This kingdom palace crown situation happening, this fire to ashes, the trains that are running all throughout this album. There seriously, there seriously is a lot of work to be done on piecing them together. And I commenced that earlier this summer and I never quite finished my, my research, but Yeah, some really interesting narrative devices that just show up again and again and again, and Mm -hmm. I think are worth unspooling a bit more. It really makes me want to see, like, I feel like Taylor Swift has a room in every house that is just, like, threads of yarn between, like, all of her songs. Like, it's just, like, a full, like... We're beyond like the meme of the guy pointing to the whiteboard. Like this is like a like an entire universe that she. It's is, a universe. Like, building in songs, and then I have to imagine also has like a physical representation of, and I just want to know what it looks like. Me too. And it's like, is it just that she has like a word mood board, and she's like yeah. the mood board for this album is trains. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of think maybe in the case of trains, that might be, it could be partially true that that's just like a feeling she wanted to invoke on this record was back to Hogwarts energy. But I, I think in the case of a lot of them, there's a lot more significance. Like if I'm on fire, you'll be made of ashes too. And then there's Mm -hmm. like a, a song right after that where it's like, there, uh, we'll get to it, but then they burn the rodeo down. Yeah, they burn the like, rodeo down, and then but there's a direct parallel with like if you're on fire, I'll be made of ashes too. And then there's like I'm the ash from your fire. 
Oh, I'm Ash from Your Fire. Yeah, my best laid plan, your sleight of hand, my barren land. I am Ash from Your Fire. Exactly. And like a few songs before that, she says, if you're on fire, I'll be made of ashes too. Right. And it's like, that's not an accident, you know? Yeah, no, no. That's why I really had a big theory about Portrait of a Lady on Fire in this album, which I think is still, there's like absolutely no way Taylor Swift has not seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire. There's too many cliffside screaming sapphic yeah. between this and evermore moments. like she absolutely got really into that movie of her quarantine like there's too much um yeah I let's just, talk about my tears ricochet though speaking of ashes okay my tears ricochet this is a really interesting song i, I am fucking obsessed with this song yeah i love this song I love this song. I love this song. I love this song. Again, I think this song has insane velocity and momentum. Mm -hmm. And it cuts so deep. I really think that this song is about Portrait of Lady on Fire. Again, but I will concede that most likely it is about Scott Borchetta. (laughs) We'll do a Portrait of a Lady on Fire deep dive episode. It will be seven hours long, but we will have one. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so, like, there is totally velocity in this song. Like, all of this build up to the bridge where she, like, I still talk to you when I'm screaming at the sky. Oh, it really sends me over the edge. Um, I also think the line, and it's so, like, this song is so sad too as at at the same time that it is so angry like i didn't have it in myself to go with grace because when i fight you used to tell me i was brave like shivers yeah i think my stolen lullaby her standing in her power and i think Mm -hmm. i think right it seems so much more mature than like a mean because it's like this is someone who knew me and who loved me and who I loved back, who hurt me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of like blood curdling anger towards him is so much more complicated than just like, you're bad. I hate you. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. And it is really interesting because it's, it's like this song that is like in all likelihood about Scott Porchetta, like also so perfectly captures the like, post breakup sentiment when you're like really mad at somebody and you're like trying to hold like how angry you are and how you're like, fuck you for all of these things you did. Like you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And then also the other part of you that's like, but also like I loved you and you love me and we have all these good things. And I don't know how to have both of these emotions at the same time. And I don't know like what to hold on to and what to throw away and like what to do with all of this stuff that I feel like is so perfectly boiled into this song, into this like really tightly wound energy that then, right. Like I still talk to you when I'm screaming at the sky, that line just like sends me into the ether. Seriously. And like, if I'm dead to you, why am I all you think about? Mm -hmm. And that's like so real about any kind of breakup of like, sometimes hating right like the thin line between hating someone and loving someone is so thin sometimes you know like it's yes the yeah 
It's just like you can aim either for my way. blood, go for blood, but you would still miss me in your bones. Like exactly, you can do all that. You can say all this You're, shit. Like, why are you so obsessed shit, with like, me? <laughs> all I want to blowing know. up my phone. <laughs> um, to hate someone, you've got to be obsessed with them, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I and to like, yeah, I yeah to to get all of that emotion into this song that again is about like her manager is is like so powerful and i think like just really thinking about her music and mm-hmm. how it was taken out from under her with scott just the line about and when when you sleep at night when you can't you'll sleep hear at night lullabies. you'll hear my stolen lullabies is like dagger to that's dagger to the heart even i know and then right after the that context. for it to come like the the spooky like ooh, yeah ooh. Yeah, like right after this like huge build and then it like sucks you back down. It's so powerful. Doesn't it make you think of Ariel? It makes me think of Ariel. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah, I had never thought about that actually, but yes. Yeah. The little shell with the voice. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. This is Ursula's. (laughs) Yeah. Live action Little Mermaid. Scott Porchetta will be playing Ursula. I listened to his kind of interesting. I have beef with Malcolm Gladwell, but on our drive to Philadelphia, we listened to a three-part um, Little Mermaid deep dive that he did. That was kind of interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. I don't have much to say, but for another day. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, this song rocks. Rocks. When it, uh, you're tossing out blame drunk on this pain, that's like the why you so obsessed with me. Crossing like, out the good years. You can't stop talking about it. When you're that angry, no. you can't stop talking about it. And I really wonder, like, I'm just so curious because I guess he just wanted to be rich and sit yeah. on his fat stacks and live out his days. But it really is to me like, what else can he really do in the industry anymore? Maybe he just wanted to cash out and like by, by using her. But I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's inarguable that she made him and he made her, but their success is tied together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like, I like that also in this song, right? Like you're saying, like you're, why are you so obsessed with me? Like when you're that angry, you can't shut up about it. Like you can't stop talking about it. And she's like, me too. Like you can't, but I can't either. Like neither of us can get over this fucking thing that you did. And like, I am so like gut wrenchingly upset about this that I will put like three different songs on this album minimum about it. Like this, which is more than we got about Calvin Harris. (laughs) Yeah. Also just for context for listeners, um, so Scott Borchetta was Taylor Swift's manager. He signed her when she was what, thirteen? Yeah, fourteen maybe to Big Machine. To which Big was Machine, her first record label. And he had like no other artists signed to this record label. It was in Nashville. She was like one of their founding artists, and obviously she became the entire label. Um, yes. And and it was a really big deal for Taylor Swift, especially when she became like a megastar, to still be signed to Big Machine and not to have especially gone when over she transitioned like, out of country. Yes. Because then by the time that she was like, you know, she'd won like two album of the year Grammys at this point and she's like fully out of country, but big machine, every other record or every other artist on their, on their label was like a country artist. TM. Like 
And she was not. And, like, Scott Burchetta was really, like, both a father figure to her. I wonder that makes me think about the leaving, like, a father kind of Mm -hmm. situation. Like, maybe it's talking about Scott a little bit. But, like, a father and a partner in, in crime in terms of the music industry and... When I think of Long Live and stuff like that, yeah. that was dedicated to her band. But definitely that's a lot about Scott, too, of like everybody said we couldn't do it. We're the band of outsiders, but we did right. it. We broke And through. he was like very visible, especially in the early parts of her career in the same way that, right, like she her band was like a really big, especially in like the Fearless era. Like if you were into Taylor Swift, like you knew about her band, like if you were into Taylor Swift, like you knew about Scott before all of this happened. Like Scott before, was like a pretty... Yeah. Like he went with her to award shows. Visible. Yeah. Like he was there. They were clearly like a team until. And they were really like a family. Like I think they had like Christmases together and and thanks. Like he was at Thanksgiving close with her parents, everything. So yeah, this is, this is more than just like artist manager drama. It's like a relationship you've had since you were 14 a family member really right so yeah yeah so i also think ricochet is just a beautiful word to sing and Mm -hmm. i just think it so perfectly encapsulates it's like my tears are both like a weapon and like they don't just affect me like me being sad doesn't just affect me it affects you it affects everyone around us yeah yeah it has like these colossal ripple ripple effects Mm -hmm. yeah let's talk about mirrorball this is a top maybe a top five song for me i love this song i love this song i think that maybe other than the archer which even no i think more than the archer i think this is one of like the most self-aware songs taylor's ever written it's so like self-referential about all of her eras and all of the shifts and all of the genres and all of the outfits and all of the like different things she has done like she's so clearly naming herself and what she does in a way that is not exactly it's not like self-deprecating but there's no like moralistic kind of judgment uh, like associated with it I don't think um beyond her being like this is really hard like the lines um uh, like, I'm still a believer, but I don't know why. I've never been a natural. Mm-hmm. All I do is try, try, try. I'm still in that trapeze. I'm still trying everything to keep you looking at me. Like, she's just, like, laying it all out there. She's like, this is my deal. This is my whole entire deal. Here you go. Also, this song is so catchy. It's so mm-hmm. good. It's so, like, I just want to listen to this song a million times on repeat, which I do. It's such a good song. I completely agree with what you're saying about the archer. And this feels like just, yeah, Archer Mm 2.0. When it's like, how can you, I think that just seems so hard to like read yourself for your Mm -hmm. ultimate bit, right? Yeah. Especially as an entertainer and to have this song that's kind of like meta about your relationship with entertaining while you're in entertaining (laughs) because she was singing a song. Yeah, like while you are literally singing a song, yeah. And, like, I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. Like, this is not just something that I'm doing. This is not just, like, me pivoting and doing all of these things and making all of these albums and, you know, having all of these different shifts and versions of myself. But also, like, in my work, I will give you an opportunity mm-hmm. to see yourself in all of these different, like, 
pieces of my disco ball, you know, like if you look over here, you're going to like recognize this piece of yourself and this piece of yourself and this piece of yourself. Like that's also, it's so meta, all of it. Had you ever heard of a disco ball called a mirror ball before? Is it like a British thing? I had never heard of it before this song. I was like, okay, I get it. But I just never heard the term mirror ball. Uh, like before disco was a, a um, thing, like popular thing. And before there were um, like, that was a kind of, of music. They were just called mirror balls. That's um, interesting. And like so they a lot of disco. gay bars had them. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Apparently studio 54. Um, had some of the first, um, but that's, that's disco balls. Been why they're like disco. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I think about, I just, in terms of this song, I think about the part in Archer when they're like, cause they see right through me. They see yeah, right through. Can I you see right, see right through, through, me. through me? I see mm-hmm. right through me. And I think that's the way we all feel to some extent, right? Of like, you can feel yourself shifting, um, and like code switching to different environments and how you kind of modulate yourself within different contexts. Mm-hmm. But Taylor's like a world-class professional at modulating herself and her emotions and her performances, literally performances. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a super cool encapsulation of it in this song. And I don't know. I feel like you don't often like, I think it's something you hear actors talk about a lot sometimes if like, it's hard to put away your character and be a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just think it's super interesting to hear it talked about in a song. Thinking about Nicole Kidman saying she didn't, she stayed in character for five months while she was filming Nine Perfect Strangers. What? Which is a show that's not worth staying what in character for for five months. I didn't know. It is a crazy, she did that weird accent for five months. And Apparently she wouldn't respond to anybody. Mean? She wouldn't respond to anybody who called her Nicole. She would only respond to Masha. Masha. So Fucking that I need to I'm gonna watch the But it's like okay, though. that seems like a pretty character, like I mean an insane character and one I would not want to linger with, but also like what do you do yoga and like eat smoothie bowls all day? <laughs> and speak in your like bad Weird Russian, Russian accent. accent. Nicole Kinman literally cannot do an accent. No. I I feel so grateful whenever they let her just like do her normal voice because I'm like, she can't like in, Oh my God. In the undoing, that was so painful to hear her speak. I'm just like, I really like Nicole Kidman, but I am not convinced that Nicole Kidman is a great actress. (laughs) Like she has a mode. Like she's got a very cold, intense thing that she shifts into. And I like it, but I think it's really the accent thing that trips me up of like. Also, she always has such terrible wigs, <laughs> which I know is not up to her. But like the combination of her, the sound of her voice and then like the most ugly, weird wigs they put on her. I'm like, I got nothing for you, Nicole. I, I, I love you. Steely. Like, I really do like her. But like, like yeah, I like steely her is too. The she's like steely and scared. She's always steely and scared. Like, even yeah, in Nine like Perfect Strangers, she's yeah. kind of scared. Anyways. And love Russia. her, but I'm not sure love if she's, her, but like, yeah. I don't know. 
Well, I actually oh do God, have computer. something else to say about. Oh yeah. Um, Mirabal, I was having a long talk about climate change today, and I've just been feeling really emo about climate change. And I was listening to Mirabal after I had this conversation. And what do you think she means by when she says, I know you say the end is near, but I'm still on my tallest tiptoes. I was just like, when she said Mm. the end is near, I was like, yeah, the end actually is near. I just, I guess I'm curious what you think it it means just in the context of this song. Like the party's almost over. Yeah. Well, I've read some stuff where people are saying, and maybe she has said this too, that like the next piece, the like when they called off the circus, burned the disco down, they sent home the horses and the rodeo clowns. Like that's like when the pandemic hit, like she's talking about like Mm. the lack of like performing, being able to perform live music and being able to like having her whole like, yeah, yeah, like career mode turned upside down. That totally makes sense. So I think that is maybe more what she's referring to, but also the end is near. Okay. Let's talk about seven. Feral Taylor Swift. This is these like two songs are like back to back to me read as well, not really because she said she has never been to therapy, but this is like her therapist telling her to do some like self work and then some like inner child work. Yeah. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Like really interesting. Yeah, totally. It's like kind of out of place. And I don't know where it would be. It, like, it, it doesn't really... It, it does fit in this album. But musically, it is really, like, singular in a way. Yeah. I'm just so curious about this song and, like, where it comes from, who she's speaking to. Like, is she speaking to an inner child version of herself? Is she speaking to, like, many people think or whatever, like, a friend she had in childhood? Yeah. Is it a lover? Like who and what and where are we dealing with? Like we think about like these poetic vignettes with this album. And I think that none of that is a better epitomization than this song. Right. Yeah. Like what's happening? Like we'll move to India forever. Yeah. Why? What, what does that have to do with that? Like I, I would like, I get that the, maybe the point of this is like, you know, when she was a child and she was, feral and she would scream all the time like things just didn't like necessarily have to make sense so like sure pack your dolls in a sweater we'll move to india forever it's like i know places from muna yeah india yeah i know places i guess i don't know um yeah but and like your dad is always mad yeah, I think your house is haunted. Your dad is always mad, and that must be why. I have, like, a fully flushed-out theory about who I think the dad in this song is and how it's related to the other songs, but we'll do a separate episode to get into that. But you want we can be pirates. You won't have to cry or hide in the closet. I do think there's this... Hide in the closet? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously hide in the closet. Okay, this girl, yeah. But we talk about, like, she's talking about Peter and Wendy and other songs and mm-hmm. this, like, fairy tale thing that def like thread that goes through this entire album and thinking about the theme of folklore and telling stories it's like how do you tell stories to help yourself escape from a situation that mm-hmm. isn't so great and how can like the stories that you tell someone else even if they'll never come to fruition um like they're never going to move to india forever but how is their comfort in in the story of it for each other yeah. 
And I think it's really interesting because like that's Taylor Swift's talent, right? Is like world building through stories. Right. And, and like her, we talked like, about before, that. like building, like having something small, something like that is literally like, like the song Enchanted, which is like this beautiful sweeping love song that is also about like a one time encounter. Exactly. You never meet again. Like, and that's what she's doing, you know, like, so no, she's a uh, crazy down, like folk songs are love. Yeah. Like our love lasts so long, even though I can't remember your face, even though we only met one time at a party, even though like we dated for two weeks, even though like we were never officially together, even though like blah, 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 you know, ad infinitum. But it is like that. That is what I think she's, or how I read the song in some ways. At least those lines of like passed down like folk songs are love less so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Right, like how how can like the crystallization of that feeling in a song make it something greater than the real interaction itself? I've been thinking so much about the line from Solar Power where Lord says, "I can make anything real." Mm-hmm. That's just been like my big takeaway from Solar Power, and I think. That's such a beautiful and amazing sentiment. And I think that's like the thesis statement of Lord's album is that like the key to the universe that she's found is like in my head, in my mind, in my experience, I can make anything real. And I think that that's like really tied to Taylor and what she's, what she has always done by making like mountains out of mohills. And also like super beautiful what she's doing for her friend or for her self Mm -hmm. in this song of being like i can make anything real like by telling this story by making it a song it can it can take away the bad things yeah i like that read and that sentiment and i think that is definitely like what underlines a lot of her songwriting and and art it's interesting to think about like the speaking to yourself thing because lucy dacus's song hot and heavy and that's her talking to her younger self, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so interesting to think about Taylor being like, I like, I think your house is haunted. Your dad is always mad. And that must be why I think you should come live with me. We can be pirates. Like I'll play with mm-hmm. you. I'll play with you. Cause I did my inner child meditation and I, that's what I'm going to do to you now. Like I'm going to raise you. You won't have to hide in the closet. It's just so interesting to think about, like, what is if this really is a song where she's addressing herself? Because Lucy Lucy Dacus, like, just did that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it was really effective. Yeah. And that does then that makes that that line interesting, too, of like, and though I can't recall your face, I've still got love for you. You know, like, I can't quite like pull exactly who I was at seven years old, but I know Mm -hmm. the sentiment of who I was. And, like, I still love who I was, even though I don't have, like, every contour lined out beyond, like, these little bits and pieces. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Yeah, and, like, um, shout out to Pennsylvania in this song, Taylor Swift's birthplace. Love to see. I should Christmas go to Why I'm Missing. Yeah, you should. Find the Christmas tree farm. This long weekend. In my heart, there's a Christmas tree farm and a me, 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 me. I honestly love that But it's so song. interesting to like think about, think about Christmas tree farm and think about this characterization of her family and her dad yeah. and this haunted house. Like what is yeah. true? 
And like all of the other, yeah, like I have an excellent father. His strength is making me stronger. God smiles on my little Leaving brother. like a father. Yeah. Yeah, there's some. Hmm. Do you think like what shit went down be- like between Scott and Andrea? Like did Scott I cheat? Think, I think that like Scott, and this is mostly based on like his characterization in the Miss Americana mm-hmm. documentary. But, like, I think that Scott got too wrapped up in, like, the business of Taylor Swift and, like, not the person of Taylor Swift. Like, I think that, like, like when they're talking about, like, the the Violence Against Women Act, whatever, and he's, like, you know, talking about, like, Taylor being stalked and stuff. Also, did you see that somebody broke into her house? Like, every other week, somebody breaks into one of her houses. Um, How does that, like, like really change insane. you as a person? I like also how does that happen like how does somebody like genuinely yeah. like legitimately how does somebody break into that house i think that's what's really interesting about the the new billy eilish album and she like literally mm-hmm. calls some of that stuff out in the album of being like i'm stalked 24 7 like that changes yeah. your brain chemistry when there are like literally insane people who want a piece of you all the time right and I, I guess I've never heard that spoken about so plainly in song. You know, like, celebrities always talk about it, like, obtusely in, like, interviews right. or whatever. Or, like, the pressure of celebrity, like, your eyes right. being on you. But, like, people breaking into your house. Right. And, it's like, like, this thing where it's tracking like, your whereabouts. You, right. Nobody likes to hear about celebrities complain about that they're so famous that people want to want something from them but it's like and we talk about like the paranoia that so like pervades taylor swift's discography but it's like that's so true it's like i get scared walking home at night and of course like taylor swift has security and all these things but she has like legions of people who want to harm her or like right and even with legions of people who are whose job is to protect her from those people like People still break into her houses. Like, people still, you know, like, yeah. That would make me a paranoid person. Yeah. And that, like, would make me, like, significantly less interested in, like, giving any part of myself in, like, interviews, in, like, my, like, public, like, in any opportunity where I could have control, obviously I would want to exercise it. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, like, you become... I was just listening to this interview with like Matt Damon, weird, random, but very he was random. talking about when he first got um, like famous and George Clooney like talked to him at an award show or something and was like, how are you doing with all this? Because he was just getting like bombarded by like paparazzi and fans and stuff all for like the first time after Goodwill Hunting or something. And George Clooney was like, you have to keep going outside. Like, don't Mm. stop saying no to things. He was like, if you stop saying no to things now, like, the trajectory of your life forever changes. So, like, you have to keep being, like, actively involved in the outside world. And I think I understand that, like, Matt Damon was probably, like, really famous in the 90s or something. But I think, like, Taylor's disposition is often, like, we think of a, a place in this world outside of, like, she's had a hard time fitting in the, in the outside world, world, period. And then when, like, your actions and your ability to move through that outside world, which is a place that you already have a hard time navigating, becomes so constrained, 
I just, yeah, I think it just feeds into her control thing of like, if the situation isn't controlled and handled, she doesn't really get to have access to it because of her celebrity, but also because of her predispositions. And I think that that's like incredibly sad. Yeah. I also just think just like one more thing, if this is really Taylor Swift speaking to her younger self in such a like poetic nuanced way of like, you don't need to hide in the closet. We can be pirates this really interesting textural layered poetic thing that she's doing in this song seven. And if that is her speaking about queerness, I guess my question is like, I don't really understand how Taylor Swift can be so subtle and artistic in doing that while simultaneously, like so loud and like kind of missing the mark in other respects like you need to calm down like I don't get how both Mm -hmm. can exist really and I understand that there's like a utility to both of those modes but it does kind of confuse me yeah August yeah the month never existed before the song speaking as somebody who um has an August birthday (laughs) um this one also really fun turns of phrase with like slipped away like a moment in time, sipped away like a bottle of wine. Love those lyrics. Um, Also, I just picture um, the long punk sessions of Jack Antonoff, like losing his fucking mind playing this song. Like (laughs) he would like die a hundred times over for this song, which I appreciate. Um, My mom? I can see this in bed sheets, you know? We watch Long Pond together, and she's, like, so weirded out by Jack. She's, like, I was playing some things, and I was, like, telling her about Jack, which to me, I'm, like, he's just passionate, but she's, like, is this the weird, weird man from from Long Pond? And to me, the weird, (laughs) weird man is Aaron Dessner. I don't think Jack's weird. He's just into it. I mean, he's, like a fun quirky dude but i'm like aaron is a weird weird man (laughs) that she's like incredibly weirded out by jack antonoff he is a lot in those in the long pond session he's um if that was the first time i'd ever seen him i would also be like something's up with this guy like this guy (laughs) is is either on something or like should be on something and isn't He's, like, uh, on the verge of, like, bursting out of his skin the entire time. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, like, he just loves these tunes. I know. He's just, he's jamming with his friends. He's having a good time at the Long Pond sessions. Um, Yeah, this song is so good, though. I mean. So good. Just a great song. Whatever. She can tell me whatever she wants about the fucking teenage love triangle, but I don't care. This song is just good. And I love the, like, you're back beneath the sun, wishing I could write my name on it. It's just, yeah, it's just, this is really a great encapsulation of that feeling of, like, I know that we're not going to be together, but, like, but, like, oh, remember when we were? Yeah. Yeah. And you were Um, mine. There's also, like, little echoes of strawberry wine here to me. (laughs) Um, Like, will you call when you're back at school? Like, August slipped away like a bottle of wine. Never have I ever before. Deanna Carter, her legacy lives on in August. Do you think that whole thing is about, like, losing her virginity? Maybe not Taylor's, but this character. Never had I, I ever so. before. I That's how I read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back when we were still changing. I just have to say, meet me behind the mall. When I heard meet me behind the mall, I was like, I 
will never be the same again. I love this song. That's yeah. such a good lyric and just just like phenomenal. Like that's life. Yeah. That's life in a Tim McGraw kind of way. That is so good. Remember when I pulled up and sang it in the car. I also like I envisioned them. I envisioned Taylor and Jack writing this song the same way I do the like audio of them writing Getaway Car together, where like they're both like tripping over each other to like you know like the, it's now it's like a TikTok audio which I really yeah, like, but um, like especially those that the bridge where it's like leading up to meet me behind the mall. Like they're I like, can just <laughs> see the two of them like meet me behind the mall. Like they're so excited that they came up with this. Um, and there's also obviously like the getaway car aspect of it, um, which I like. Yeah. It's just, just off of that. This is just like an interesting tidbit, but I listened to this or read this interview or something that Lord was giving about solar power. And she was talking about how she never writes bridges. She like has no bridges in almost any of her songs, which is crazy to think about. She was like, I always get to the bridge and I'm like, I have nothing else to say. And she was like, my friend Taylor is so good at it. And Taylor, my friend. uh Uh-huh. She was like, Taylor's so good at it. And she was talking about how she's really proud of the bridge. I think it's on Fallen Fruit. There's a bridge. But it's just seems to me like such a different way of song songwriting. And it's just fun to think about of I think Taylor says so much in her verses, but right. We've talked about this before, like the mastery of Taylor Swift and like something that she's really brought back is like the power of the bridge. Yeah. And I think it's just like a different template for songwriting because I think like maybe Lord says more in her verses sometimes than Taylor does, but Taylor like whacks you with a big bridge that puts all of the rest of the stuff in a different light and it's just interesting. Like, I never thought about, yeah. like, how Laura doesn't have any bridges. Mm-hmm. I hadn't either. But now that I'm, like, thinking through her songs, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a, a lot of build in her songs. But there's never the, like... And she does weird things. Like, and sometimes she, there's, yeah, like, totally. a, a coda or something. Like, right. some weird second half. Uh, but Taylor is, like, here's a bridge. Kablam. Let me hit you over the head with it. <laughs> like, in almost every song. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. This is me trying. I this is me trying was definitely like my a a skip potential in the beginning when mm-hmm. I first like got this album. I I actually think it's grown on me, but it's definitely not a song that I like choose or like like seek out to listen to on its own. Yeah, I feel the same way. I also like it better now. If I'm listening to that album all the way through, I'll listen to it. There are other songs I would skip before I would skip this one, but I'm not like, but I, I think that like reading the lyrics, it is another pretty self-aware song. Yeah, of like, definitely. I was so ahead of the curve that the curve became a sphere. Love fell behind on my it's classmates so and I ended up here. Also like just the opening lines of I've been having a hard time adjusting, had the shiniest wheels, now they're rusting, which kind of circles back it, like to the read of, Mirabal of being about like her kind of like grappling with the shift of her career because of the pandemic and everything like that feels like maybe it's the same conversation um and and ties to Mirabal in in that like this is me trying like I've never been a natural all I do is try, yes. try try like these these songs feel like they're they're hanging out with each other I don't feel like I need this song in the same way that I need Mirabal 
Um, I also realized when I was reading these lyrics that for a year now, I've been totally mishearing a line of like, so it, it's hard to feel, it's hard to be at the party when I feel like I've open. always heard, I don't belong, but an open wound. Yeah, yeah, an open wound. It's hard to be anywhere. Which I like, but. Yeah, I think, I think like the lyricism of this song is like incredibly strong and really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I love the so ahead of the curve, the curve became a sphere fell behind mm-hmm. all my classmates. I love that part. And I, I guess I just wish maybe like there was a different framing to this song. Like, I don't really think I understand the like speaking to a stranger at a bar thing that she mm-hmm. has going on here. And like, but I didn't pour the whiskey. I, I guess I just like, don't really get it, which it's like just a choice that she made. But I think often like this song is also put into context about like, addiction and alcoholism and stuff like that yeah and like depression with the first verse which she talked about in the in the long pond session she's like the first one is like depression the second one's about like addiction and not having a drink even when you really want a drink but i like but it's like i don't feel like anything is all like i i they're both like there there's like stuff here that i can see but it doesn't feel like it's all the way like a fully finished thought. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, like I agree. I think the lyricism is like really beautiful in some spots. Like I really like, um, it's hard to be anywhere these days when all I want is you, you're a flashback in a film reel on the one screen in my town. Like that's a really like compelling part, but I don't feel like the song as a whole works quite as well Mm -hmm. because something's, it's just like, it feels like a little bit unfinished. Also, I just, like, really get the feeling, <laughs> a feeling I don't get when I listen to Betty, but a feeling I do get when I'm listening to This Is Me Trying. Like, she's singing from a man's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why I feel that so strongly, but I, I mean, clearly it's, like, self-referential, but it feels very, like, mm-hmm. male something about it. And I, mm-hmm. I guess I just, I'm really curious to know more about this song and like who she really is talking about or like where the inspiration came from because it's not very clear to me yeah i had never like consciously recognized that but as you said that i totally agree i feel like i've definitely also been hearing it as like um like a male perspective specifically aaron kind of you know like his yeah like the energy is kind of like the national of like i'm depressed and divorced like (laughs) which i like the national but that's what all of their songs are about um but (laughs) yeah so like is this and then also i'm like is this about your dad again are we doing more dad stuff in this song i don't i don't know Mm -hmm. but yeah, this isn't like um among my faves, I would say. It's it's like I recognize it for what it is, but I don't necessarily um It's also kind of interesting. I guess I never consciously thought about this, but it's kind of interesting to put this song in conversation with Renegade and be like mm-hmm. is that kind of in, are they in conversation with each other of like is it just your anxiety or can you not really give me everything and like this is maybe the person yeah. who's stuck in that like depressive, anxious addiction whatever it might be being like this is me trying and i know that it's not enough but like this is it yeah illicit affairs though i do like i freaking love illicit affairs i think that song has not gotten its due i think illicit affairs is like just as good and strong as august honestly i think like this song to me 
in like all this, you know, talk about like all these songs having like velocity and momentum. Like this song, I think maybe has the most out of all of it. Like it starts out with this like kind of twinkly thing. And then you run into this like snarling, like you want to scream, don't call me kid. Don't, don't call, call me baby. baby. Look at this godforsaken mess you made me. You showed me colors. You know, I can't see with anyone else. And it's so And you know damn real. well, you know. Yeah. For you, I would ruin myself a million little times. Like... It's so, oh my God. Yeah. It feels like shouting. Like, it feels like that feeling. It's that same, like, I hate you, but I love you. And like, why'd you mm-hmm. have to fuck me over this much? Because like, you showed me all the beautiful things. And now it's the worst ever. I don't and know. And so like, don't you fucking dare call me kid or bait. Like, don't. Yeah, don't. Like, do not. Don't. And I don't want to hear it. Yeah, is is this song not part of the August Cardigan Betty trilogy? Like, not it- not technically, but like I feel like this this feels more to me like part of the trilogy than like August in a lot of ways because it's like, like meeting Cardigan is parking, yeah. parking lots. It's like that's exactly what they did. They met behind the mall. This the person- is August singing, yeah, to yeah, James or whatever. I also love like. The line at the beginning, tell your friends you're out for a run. You'll be flushed when you return. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, that is so illicit. Like, that felt so, like, scandalizing. I was like, I that just, that line, every time I hear it, gets me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this song, this song rocks. This is, I love this song. It a also, dwindling mercurial high. Yes, and then when, when she, she says, with her voice, bing, yeah, yes. like this bell sound, a drug that only worked the first few hundred times. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I just, I really relate to this song. I think it's like a perfect song. And yeah, I think it almost makes me think of the story of us sometimes of like it dies. Mm-hmm. It's born from just one single glance, but it dies and it dies a million times. Or, um, Death by or even it's like, yeah, out of the woods being like, mm-hmm. or, um, haunted. That's what it really yes. makes me think of haunted. Totally. Being like, you and I walk a fragile line. So, yes. Something's changed behind your eyes. Like can't go back. Now we're haunted. And like now every time I see you, I just see another part of it. Break, break, break. And I like this. Like I love like the abject terror of watching something shift in your lover's eyes that happens in haunted. Mm-hmm. And I love her being pissed as fuck about it in this song. Mm-hmm. It's like you started this. Like, we both knew it was bad, but, like, own your shit. Like We're both here now. We're both here now. And, yeah. Again, I think it's that same thing of, like, you can be pissed. You can, you can have the most, like, anger and rage towards the people that, like, you have loved the most. Yeah. And just, like, right, the just, just the total, like disappointment mixed with like embarrassment mixed with shame mixed with like fury mixed with sadness and at the end of like look at this like look at this godforsaken mess you made me look at this idiotic fool you made me and then how mm-hmm. each of those lines is followed with like you showed me colors you know i can't see with anyone else you taught me a language language a secret language i can't speak with anyone else like to have those be like immediately next to each other it's just like so smart and so yeah mm. i love this song it really, yeah. I think it's only gotten stronger for me, yeah. In the time since this album was released, and I think like it's in my top favorites, which it wasn't when the album first came out. And like, I think it really has 
lots like staying power and even just talking about it now i'm reminded by like how much i really fucking love it mm-hmm. me too oh yeah one more thing just tiny about illicit affairs when she says and you know damn well that i would ruin myself a million little times that just really gives me huge sally rooney normal people energy mm-hmm. of like yeah, totally i hadn't thought about that but yes I'll ruin myself for you. You can do whatever you want to me. Like you know I may it. be pissed and saying all this stuff and like in a mood or whatever, but like you just say the word and I'll do it all again. Like, yeah, I'll ruin myself for you. It really makes me think of this one. Um, this is a total tangent, but um, Brandy Jensen, who I think now she's writing for Gawker, um, does the like an advice column that's called like ask an asshole or something like that. Um, but there's this one where somebody writes to talk to her about like whether or not they should like reach out to apologize to their ex who like they really fucked over multiple times. And she's like, I, I, I read this like a long time ago and I still think about it sometimes. She's like, I like, don't do it. Like for a lot of us, we walk through the world with the knowledge that like there is a person who like could absolutely ruin our lives if they wanted to. And like, maybe we, we have the knowledge that like we are that for another person. And like the kindest and best thing you can do is to like not engage with it because like having to have that knowledge is like hard enough as it is. So like, don't do it. And that's, this song makes me think of that too. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, I would. I know, you know, you know, you know, everybody here knows what the deal is like. And it's so, so painful to be like, to be like, no, to be like when that person mm-hmm. or yes. whatever trickles back in, waltzes back in to be like, nope, that's not actually happening. Mm-hmm. That's like another kind of death. You know, so. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Invisible strings. Such a different song from from this one. I love this song. I also. love it. Um, Invisible String was like my automatic right out of the gate. Yes. 100% like this is my favorite song on this album. It's just, There's just it's like my, so much it's happening. my bag. <laughs> if Last yeah, Bird of America yes. Dynasty is Taylor Swift's bag, Invisible String is mine. Like I've been obsessed. It makes me think about tarot. And I can't remember mm-hmm. what card it was because I don't, I haven't done tarot in like years at this point. But... There was one card when I was really into it, which maybe Hannah you'll get, but like my interpretation of it was always like these literally invisible strings, like these. I would always think of it as oh, like the, spun the, gold. the world. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's. I don't know if for me it was the world, but I have a deck where the the world the card has like all of these the the like mm. imagery for it is like essentially like all of these woven strings like yeah kind of like it looks tangled at first and then you see they're all like connected to each other like it's really it's very beautiful but that's what that's what i think of yeah so the sentiment behind this is that like you can't see it right now but all of these magic strings in the universe are being sewn for you and yeah. that right that they're all interconnected and i always think of them as like spun gold um, mm-hmm. and they're like materializing their web into the world. And I just, that was yeah. always just one of the most beautiful imageries to me. And so special and so sacred. And then to get it in a Taylor Swift song, I was like, dear Jesus, hallelujah. So <laughs> I am levitating. As I'm it's just yeah. beautiful. I think that's like, yeah, you can think about songs and there's so many ways like how can you say I love you in a different way that hasn't been said in a million songs already? And I just think right. 
the sentiment of the universe sewing these invisible strings for you is just really incredible and never heard in a song. And I just think it's, it's a gorgeous song. And I think there's also like something that I, I similarly am obsessed with the song, like immediately upon listening was like, I love this song. And I think that also the way I listen to it has kind of like grown in that, like, what I think is really, really interesting about what she's doing here is that, like, she's simultaneously saying, like, there was this one single thread of gold that tied me to you. Like, there was, mm-hmm. there there were all of these things. But then she's also saying, like, isn't it just so pretty to think that there were all these invisible mm-hmm. strings? Like, they're, like, these aren't really that, you know, like, at the beginning where she's like, I was on some green grass and you were a teal shirt. Like, that could be, that could be it. You know, when, like, really there's nothing, there's nothing to tie between, like, sitting on green grass mm-hmm. and wearing like your teal yogurt shop shirt. But like, I think it's so beautiful and like magical how she is saying at the same time, like there are these like things that you can't see these like things pointing you towards this person. Like there, this is real. And also like we, we also like create these things for ourselves and we like build the stories for ourselves. And like, isn't it pretty to think that like, isn't it so amazing to think that there are these invisible strings like whether or not like they're there yes it doesn't matter because like i know they're there you know they're there like there are some that make more sense like listening to bad blood and like the you know like this single thread of gold like something was just like pulling me like but some of them don't and that's fine like it doesn't have to make sense like none of it makes sense but also it does make sense i just think it's really like such a thoughtful and like it really shows I think also her maturity in this song and the way she has grown and how she like thinks about love and sings about love and writes about love mm-hmm. and being like yes there are these magical forces conspiring also yes like I'm building them and mm-hmm. like I'm seeing them and also just like yeah that is so classic Taylor that she like she used to think she'd meet somebody in the park <laughs> in Nashville or whatever and now she has this totally different conception of like how hard it is to like find and keep love and all Mm -hmm. those things I was thinking it's really interesting that you say that Hannah because really yeah what she's saying in this song is isn't it just so pretty to think that all along there were these invisible strings that she's not necessarily even saying that there were it's just like isn't it so pretty to think that there were these invisible strings? And I think there's also, if we want to have a different read of the song, which I'm inclined to just take, take the song at face value and just be like, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's great. But we also can think about the machinations of like, if she and Joe are not in like everlasting true, true love, the way Mm -hmm. that it's like, isn't it so pretty to think that there were all of these invisible strings tying us together? And can't we paint this in like such a more beautiful light that like we were destined to be together. And maybe that's not the truth, but isn't it so pretty? And don't we love to think about it like that? And we might not be fated, but there's something equally beautiful in the fairy tale that we are. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And the fairy tale that I'm selling to the press and the public and everybody else. Yes. And like we've talked about before, I think, especially as we get into peace, like regardless of what their relationship is or how it started or what it 
looks like to Mm -hmm. the two of them individually. Like there's clearly so much like love and care. At least I, I Mm -hmm. like choose to believe that and do believe that. And so I, yeah, like that's also a, a reading that I like of like, maybe this isn't like the most like tortured consuming love I've ever felt. But like, isn't it just so pretty to think that like we were supposed to do this all along? Like, Mm -hmm. that we have been moving towards this. And there's so much, like, right, the word, like, calculating that always comes up with Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift. And, like, there just is a huge amount of, like, (laughs) pre-planning and conceiving that goes into her life and the narratives we get, like we've talked about a million times. But I think it's it's kind of pretty and probably relieving for her. Like, if her relationship with Joe is planned or whatever it is, that there's also, like, even to planning and like purposeful decisions there still is an element of like magic and wonder to mm-hmm. well how did we even find each other to begin with and even if we planned and plotted this thing out it's still you and me and like how did the script lead us this way and i yeah. think that's really interesting i also think we have to talk about cold was the steel of my axe to grind for the boys who broke, the my, boys heart. Who broke my heart now, now i send, send their, their babies, babies presents, presents. When I heard that, yeah. I was like, "Sign sealed, delivered. I'm yours." So yeah. funny. And then we and also think, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like the the phrasing, uh, like how she structures the sentences in this song is so interesting to me. Of like, green, green was, was the, the color, grass. teal yeah, was the <laughs> like teal was the shirt, bad was the blood, bold was the waitress, cold was the steel, gold was the color. Like you know, not like. I showed you gold leaves around Centennial Park, but like mm-hmm. gold was the leaves that I, which also I think adds She's into like this narrative of like, let's make it so beautiful. Like th- it wasn't that I was, you were wearing a teal shirt. Mm-hmm. Like teal was the color of the shirt that you used to wear. The right. Yogurt She's like the bar. Like, you know, yeah. I really think I'm like prepared to ta- teach like a Taylor as William Shakespeare course at a collegiate institution once I learn a little bit more about Shakespeare. But sure. I just think like these are the times when it's like Taylor Taylor's doing that, right? It's like, and you want to talk about folklore. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing with this thing is like, right, this really poetic um, like turn of phrase that she uses in this song to talk about this made up or real relationship. And also it's like, what's the difference between the made up stories we tell ourselves about our real relationships? You know, Mm -hmm. like we all have a story. Everybody has a story of like how they met their significant other or like the fate that led them there. And it's like how much of that is real magic and how much magic is just in the telling of the story that you created. And I think Mm -hmm. that fits in really well with Taylor's whole bit about creating these stories that are like far outsized to the real totally like events that inspired them it makes you think too of like when we were reading big friendship of like all their talk about kind of like the origin story and how important that is to like any relationship especially to friendships Mm -hmm. um but for her to yeah like build this like twisty windy song of like a twisty windy thread that does or doesn't exist like i just love it yeah me too me too um oh i also just wanted to mention 
Time, Wondrous Time, Gave Me the Blues and then Purple Pink Skies. Obviously, we think about the Lover cover, but also, like, also the queerness. Also, the flag. Yeah. Like, her being all sad and then being like, I can be bi and it can be fine. <laughs> and it's cool, baby, with me. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. No idea. It's cool to be gay with me. <laughs> it's cool, baby, with me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that part, the towards the end of the song, I'm like, what are you doing? I do think What's it's super on? interesting to think of this, which I never have, but, like, to think of it as kind of an ironic song. Like, isn't it just so pretty to think that there was some invisible string tying you to mm-hmm. me when actually we're not lovers at all? And yeah. this is just a story we've sold, which I don't want to be cynical about it because I think it's really beautiful, and I don't think I like any, any shred of it, it matters, honestly. but yeah. me too, agreed. This is, this like, the order of songs on this album is so strange to me that we go from illicit affairs into invisible string into mad woman. Like the transition whenever I'm listening to this album in order and it goes into mad woman, I'm like. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, what do we want to say about mad woman? I don't really like this song all that much, to be honest. I respect it. I like that we get our first ever fuck in this song. Um, This is our first fuck? This is, yeah, this is her first fuck. Um. I like a Scooter Braun diss track, obviously. I think that, like, some parts of this song are more compelling to me than others. Like, but, like, what what the fuck is happening at the beginning where she says, do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn? Yeah, I don't what understand. Does that I mean? like, what do you sing on your drive home? It's like, how do yes. you avoid me on the radio? The same way as, like, you'll yeah. never get away from the sound of the woman who loves you. Yes. But to Scooter Braun in this instance. Like, what do you sing on your drive home? Love that. Do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn? I think I heard something about, like, I don't know, like, where he lives. Like, one of his neighbors has a tie to Taylor Swift. So it might actually be, like, hyper-specific. Yes. I I think, or maybe, like... And it's the same, like, chasing shadows in the grocery store. Like, there's not actually something Mm -hmm. there. But it's just, like, do you see me when you look at this house of this person who, like, is somehow tied to Taylor Swift, who lives right by him? I don't know. That's that's as good as I get on that line. It does seem like a weird deployment of Taylor's first fuck, but sure. Yes. But I still like it. Um, And, of course, like, the sentiment of, like, again, just feels very much, like, Women Gender Studies 101 of, like, every time you call me crazy, I get more crazy. What about that? Yes. When you say I seem angry, I get more angry. It's like, I actually really like that sentiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. It checks. And also, I guess I just maybe don't really like the sound of this song. I agree. And I don't know. Yeah. And I, I also think there's, like, some echoes of, like, almost better than revenge in this mm-hmm. of like women like hunting, which is to doing your dirtiest work for you. It's obvious that wanting me dead has really brought you two together. And then at the end, like the master of spin has a couple side flings. Good wives always know you should be, she should be mad. She should be scathing like me. Um, which is like about Scooter Braun's wife who did that big Instagram post about how Taylor was like ruining their family. And then also like, apparently Scooter has had like a lot of public affairs. Um, and like cheated on his wife, which feels like kind of a like I don't know, like it, it it's so like it's also twisted at this point. Like I understand, and but I think Taylor like also recognizes herself in this song and being like, 
they say move on, but you know I won't. Like, I will mm-hmm. not. Like, I am digging my nails in. I'm going to talk about you cheating on your wife. Like, right. I drop my it's first definitely fuck like ever. Like, not Taylor being the bigger person in this no. song, even if she's, like, trying to do it with, like, feminist indignation at him. It's still not really rising above, which I don't think you need to. And I don't think, like, no. rising above often makes a great song. But it just makes it a little bit, like, tedious to listen to. Yeah, I usually skip this song. Yeah, me too. Um, I do want to talk about <laughs> the Revenant um, parallels with, like, oh, and the Instagram posts, you know? Yes. You poke that bear till her claws come out. And the the Instagram post that Taylor Swift posted in the bear suit and then the Jill Gutaway, but basically just that Jill has talked about like several times about sleeping inside a bear in relationship yes. to Taylor. Yeah. And that this was like a clapback potentially of Taylor being like, I see you and I hear you. And then she posted this Instagram. So like Taylor or I mean Jill. Yes. Wrote, oh yes, yes, yes. Before folklore came out. When Taylor announced it, Jill posted this article for Vulture being like, how should we prepare for the new album tonight? And the first thing was Sleep Inside a Bear. And she talks about The Revenant. Yes. And then, yes. She says, I know we're, I know how to survive being stranded in a ro- area under gru- grueling conditions. We must hunt a bear and sleep between her ribs tonight, ladies. And when we awaken, folklore. And then she wrote another article on folklore so Jill is like a well-known Gaylord truther who writes for Vulture for listeners. Um, so then Jill wrote another article about folklore saying hoax is a song about heartbreak that rips your guts out. Sort of like when you rip out the guts of a bear Cle- clearing space in its body so you can sleep between its ribs. And then Taylor posts the photo of herself wearing a bear costume. The bear suit. So yes. basically just the point is like, and that was in, like, Jill's queer review of the Folklore album. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, okay, Taylor is reading what Jill yes. Jill is writing about all of the gay subtext of her album and is doing, like, a subtle shout-out. Potentially. Yeah. There was a discourse about that for a time. I forgot about that, but you're right. There totally was. Jill, come on the pod. Also, she's um, Jill is releasing her first book, I think, early next year called Girls Can Kiss Now, and I'm very excited to read it. Okay, should we talk about Epiphany? Yeah. I also almost always skip this song, I have to say. Okay, here's I just my, don't really... My take is that Epiphany is, like, a gorgeous sound. Yes. It is a gorgeous sound. It does feel kind of like a intermission in some ways, mm-hmm. even though it's, like, pretty deep in the album of, like... It's for her grandpa, whatever. It's for COVID workers, which is really beautiful. But I I just have to say, like, when I block it out, just, like, the sounds of Epiphany are absolutely gorgeous, Mm -hmm. um, which I very much appreciate. I think I I never really related to the COVID thing with this song, Um, but I think it's special to healthcare workers. Something med school did not cover, like, feels so Jarring. out of place to me yeah. with the, um, right, like the kind of like aria that is this mm-hmm. song. Like, when all of a sudden she's like, something. Something. <laughs> it's like we're in the weirdest church I've ever been in. I also, I agree. I really like how this song sounds. I will say, I don't think that like 
Taylor's voice is perfectly suited to this song. I think that like in this album, her voice is so, so, so strong. I think she sounds better than she ever has. But like something about this just like doesn't quite work for me with her voice. And I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just that I don't really love this song. So I'm like finding things that I don't like about it. But I agree. I get it's for her grandpa. It's like a nice nod, especially at the time it came out to like healthcare workers, like especially thinking about her mom. Like I just don't, the song has never really like resonated with me. Mm -hmm. I wish it was in Dunkirk. Now that that would be cool. I would like to see. (laughs) All right, let's go. (sighs) Okay. Betty. I mean, fucking Betty. Betty, I the went- absolute euphoria when the harmonicas come in every time I hear this song. I love this song. This song was like, okay, we're doing fearless, we're doing speak now, but we're doing it so much better than you ever had the capacity to create it when you were that old. Yeah, like this is a ditty, this is a folk song, it's gay as fuck. It's doing some yeah, really fuck interesting your teenage love things. Triangle. This is. And it's just damn good. Mm -hmm. This is like a campfire song. A campfire song that has really weird, interesting themes when you drill down below its surface. Yes. I I love, again, like, I really love how she sounds in this song, too. Like, the way she says garden, every time I hear this song, I think about it. Would you tell me to go fuck yourself or lead me to the garden, in the garden? Like, there's something really weird happening in her voice that I love. I want to eat it up with a spoon. Um, It's totally, like, a a campfire song. Um, Except it's, like, so dark. Like, she says, like, fuck within the first, like... Yeah. Yeah, like, very early in the chorus, she says, would Mm -hmm. you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden? It's, like... Wow. <laughs> We're going for, for this it. Little yeah. Ditty, like, whew. And like the way that I I just yeah, the way that the words land in in this song too of like your favorite song is playing from the far side of the gym. I was nowhere to be found. I love the crowds, you know that. Or I hate the mm-hmm. crowds, you know that. Plus I saw you dance with him. Like there's all these like internal rhymes happening mm-hmm. within each line. Like it's so and then when we get to I was walking home on broken cobblestone, just thinking of you when she pulled up like a figment of my, my worst, worst intentions. intentions. I love that. A figment of my worst intentions. Like this, this is just like a perfectly crafted song. Also, it's like, okay, so like if I showed up at your door, would you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden in the garden? And again, it's like, I cannot think of a single other time that we've heard the word garden in a Taylor Swift song Mm -hmm. with someone she's broken up with other than the infamous garden gate in cruel summer stuck in every night that summer through the garden gate, which is Carly Kloss's garden gate. And that feels like it makes perfect sense, right? Like if I showed Mm -hmm. up, would you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden? Also the fact that we're talking about like in front of all your stupid model friends. If I said sorry. And like, we're talking about uh, like, we're talking to Betty, which is like not only traditionally like a name for like girl, girls and women who skateboard, but then also there's this like HBO show about gay teenage skateboard girls. I like that. So like, there's a lot happening there. Me too. They just canceled it, which is sad. Um, I know. Um, But also like, 
the the gayness in the line like i was nowhere to be found i hate the crowds you know that plus i saw you dance with him like i saw you dance with him like i'm come back me i'm gonna show up at your doorstep crawly gloss through your garden gate Mm, this song is so gay and it's gay to a level that truly she's never gone before because it's like even my Mm. mom was like which of course it's like the artistry of like taking on these different identities and as people who have listened to Taylor Swift forever it's like yeah she does do that you know like she does she's been doing that since Mary's song since like she loves to try on different identities and and play with that in songs and I think it's like a really like compelling part of her storytelling and folklore that she does and also it's just like this is so plain that my mom was literally like is Taylor Swift gay to me and stuff like that you know <laughs> and and tell I tell her she should listen to a little podcast called that uh, when you think Taylor Swift she can get some intel I also just think like uh, we we can't go without mentioning again that like Taylor Swift who who she's supposed to be being in this song is this character James which we mm-hmm. revisit in Cardigan and is referred to I guess in in August, but Taylor Swift in real life was named after James Taylor. She has often used James as a sort of pseudonym. And if mm-hmm. there were any name for her to call herself as a quote unquote male, it would be James. So she's like picking the names like of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, three children, all of whom are girls, one of whom is named James. Like there's yeah, I, I think there's, like, definitely something to be said for how, like, revelatory she found it to be able to, like, write songs from other people's perspectives on this album, which I am reading as, like, you can say that you're writing songs from other people's perspectives, but, like, really now you have freedom to, like, write about yourself in, like, a more, whether or not, like, this is... But that's I don't, what I don't it always that, like, is, right? Like, even yeah, when you think totally. about, like, an author or, like, right, like let's think about like an author who writes fiction books you are constantly writing from other people's perspectives right that's like yeah. what it is to be a writer taylor swift is a songwriter it's no different but just because like you can write a character that is nothing like you and is still expressing a sentiment that has truth to you and that is the power of writing from mm-hmm. other people yeah others because you can express things you feel or think or see about the world even if they're just things that you notice but more like just complexly or compellingly through another person versus yourself but it's still and like you more safely you are yeah. the creator and like it, it gives you so much freedom yeah yes love this song I love the um, collage you made me for this song <laughs> yeah I wish I it's wish so good see. I'll treat a pick for the listeners, for yeah. our, uh, all of our Twitter followers. Also, um, I think we should just say, "Will it patch your broken wings?" Who wears Who wears giant Victoria's Secret angel wings? You made your mark on me—a golden tattoo of wings. <laughs> Carly Claus. Uh, I also like. I do think that there's something kind of funny about like. I asked the traffic lights if it will be all right. They say, I don't know. And then all the street lights, like standing in your mm-hmm. car again, kissing my car again, stopped at a street light. You know, I miss you. Like, I kind of think about she's missing like this person staring at the street lights back when she has 
the traffic yeah. lights if it would be okay. They say I don't know. Um, also, the all the cobblestones. Where are their cobblestones? Could it be uh, in the West Village? Could it be like on, the uh, one place <laughs> there where there are cobblestones? <laughs> <laughs> there are actually cobblestones on the sidewalk outside my uh, outside my new apartment here in oh, Philadelphia. Really? Yeah, pretty cool. Well, lots of you broken will be ones. Walking home on broken cobblestones. Just thinking of you when you pulled up. All right. Figment of my worst intentions. Okay. <sighs> we We've talked that. about peace in depth on this on this pod. So, you know, you can refer to our literal line-by-line line analysis. But mm-hmm. this song is just so fucking good. This is a top five song for me for sure. The, like, opening... So Makes jazzy. me feel so, like... Like, I see myself lifted outside of my body every time I hear those opening notes. I love it. I love this song. I think, like, when I hear this song, it sounds so, like, adult, so mature for Taylor. I picture her, like, black turtleneck at, like, a jazz club singing this song every time I hear it. Bluebird Cafe 2.0. But, like, no. Like, even... No. Like, less homespun. But same vibe. Yeah. Like, same vibe as the Bluebird Cafe, just, like... Somewhere where the dude in La La Land would hang out. <laughs> I, I I like that read. Um, okay, let's let's talk about hoax since we've we've talked about peace so extensively on mm-hmm. this pod already. Um, you love this song. I really think that this is an underrated song. I will. I do have to say that, like, since this. Since this album came out, I haven't listened to it as much as I did in the beginning, but I think that there are some super interesting parallels between Hoax and My Tears Ricochet. Um, I think that this song has been very underanalyzed and that there's mm-hmm. a... Okay, so anyways, I think that there are some really interesting parallels between Hoax and My Tears Ricochet, and I think that this song has been like far underanalyzed, and there's a lot of meat here. I think it's really interesting that it's the last song on the album. And it once again, like in the vein of seven is like a pretty poetic, vague song. And I Mm -hmm. think it's imagery just really parallels my tears ricochet. And I think it's worthy of a much closer inspection that it's been given writ large. Yeah. Um, This one also is like huge portrait vibes. Yeah. Huge. Just straight up direct like references. Yeah. We got to do a portrait of Lady on Fire episode between this and then when we get to Evermore. Um, There's so much. But yeah, like just a lot of that's like that's what I hear. Yeah. In this song is is portrait of Lady on Fire. It's just so sad. And again, that's what like. This song is so sad. My only one. We started the album with the one. My smoking gun. You've broken me. You're gone. I'm on the cliffside screaming. Just like I'm screaming at the wake. Or you're screaming at the wake. Mm-hmm. And my tears ricochet. It's like. My this song come undone. Yeah, yeah. It brings it all together. It's got all these imageries from previous songs on the album. But it's like devastatingly sad. And I think mm-hmm. that makes it be like okay, well, what's going on with you, Taylor? Like, yes, what's happening here? Like, are you with Joe? Yeah, are that's a, between happy? the opener of the one and then the closer of hoax. It's like you're it not with the person weird. you want to be with and you're really yeah. fucking sad. And then it's like, 
well, where does invisible string fall into all of this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, invisible string maybe only falls into it if, like, that's a tail, a tail you spun, Mm -hmm. like a string. I also really want to talk about the whole thing with scars, like the whole thing with scars that's running through folklore and evermore of, like, you know, it still hurts underneath my scars from where, where they pulled me apart, but what you did was just as dark. And then, like... You put stars over my scars, but now they're yeah, bleeding. Yeah, you drew scar- stars around my scars. Yeah. Yeah, now it's I'm like, bleeding. what's going on? I don't know. That has also confounded me. Yeah. I just think so we really need to spend this. some yeah. more time um, with Hoax because, yeah, so she ends the album with don't want no other shade of blue but you no other sadness in the world would do but you don't have that person you don't have that shade of blue yeah so really weird you're totally. even sadder <laughs> yeah it's just like what does it mean and i i don't think i've heard a single good answer <laughs> no but tune into um our portrait of lady on fire episode where we will uh think about it through that lens at least because i don't know how i i i have no idea really how to like interpret this song do you want to talk about the lakes this song i like to be honest haven't listened to as much um because it's the last one so i don't and it's on the deluxe album so i don't always get around to it but like this one is really interesting in that like it has some like incredibly chuggy lyrics like yeah oh my god like with no one around to tweet it, like these hunters with cell phones, which like bums me out because there are also some really, really good Wisteria lyrics. Wisteria blooms. Like, Beautiful. I love, I want auroras and sad pros. I want to watch Wisteria grow right yeah. over my bare feet because I have moved so in years beautiful. and I want you right here. I know. I, I'm like, don't follow that up with the fucking line about the tweets. Like that's yeah, so embarrassing. No, I Please don't do that. Yeah, like, I could not agree more. That's ex- literally exactly that. Every time I listen to that, I'm like, oh, beautiful, beautiful. And then I'm like, <laughs> never mind like disgusting and then like the like turn of phrase she's doing with like i've come too far to watch some name dropping sleaze tell me what are my words worth like a la words worth the poet like but why did you say the thing about tweeting i just that like and i'm also that, like such a bad taste it in my feels mouth. like kind of a clunky song to me yes like it's it's over inflated like it's right. Like You've very, got this like, like really pretty wisteria thing, but then we're trying to make the Wordsworth thing fit. And the thing about tweeting and like this being a refuge of like, those are all kind of interesting ideas on their own. And I think it's, it's become like a little bit of a blimp of a song of like, it's just heavy and they don't necessarily yeah. make sense together. I'm really glad that this was not on the original album. Cause I think it's like not that good, honestly. And yeah. It, it makes me think of reading, like, everything we read in 10th grade English. Like, it just, it feels to me like the same, like, energy as, like, 10th grade English. Like, and being really into, like, all of these, like, moody, brooding English poets and, like, writing this song that doesn't quite work all the way, which sucks because I see it. Yeah, that part is cool. And, like, I like this thing about the Lakes District and I like the inspiration for, like, all these poets went there to, like, escape and die and... And I think that's really interesting and I think that's cool for her. And I think we could have done something really cool here. I also just kind of feel like she cracked open the dictionary on this song and was like, how many big boy words can I fit into this song? And while I appreciate like the extraness of it, because I think that's the point of this song is like, it's very dramatic and prose 
heavy. I think that it also just reads like the Sorosy. Um, yeah. So this has been a long wandering road through folklore, the only appropriate way to handle a long mm-hmm. wandering album. Um, I'll just say as closing, I think this is my favorite album. Wow. Oh yeah. my gosh, Hannah, that's a big statement. I know. I, I love it. I don't know that I can say that with absolute confidence since we've only had this for a year and we've had so many other ones for longer, but I think it might be. Have we really only had folklore for a year? Yeah. Isn't that insane? That is so, so crazy. It feels like so much longer than that. I feel like maybe evermore we've had for a year, but I know folklore is hard to imagine. Wow. Hmm. I also think it just like this album really speaks to her power as a musician to work yes. with people who have such distinctive sounds like Aaron Dessner, the national Bon Iver. at this point, like even Jack Antonoff has like a distinctive sound, but, and there are moments where I hear things and I'm like, Oh, I hear how like Aaron Dessner came in on this, or I hear how Jack like influenced this song, but like it is a Taylor Swift record. Like there's no question. This is a Taylor record. Every song is a Taylor Swift song. It is not, like, it's not the national, it's not a Bon Iver record, it's not a big Red Machine record, like, it is fully hers, and I think it's really, really cool to see how much experimentation she was able to do with this album, and how well she pulled it off. Yes, absolutely. Agreed on all of the above. I think, like, it's such a masterful work of writing, like, creative writing, and authorship, and I think that's what I wanted from for Taylor for so long and to see her come into her power as a songwriter to this degree on this kind of album I think was something that I really yearned for and it was different from the form I expected it to come in and I wouldn't expect anything less from her I think that's so amazing and she's always ahead of uh, ahead of the curve and keeping us on our toes so yeah, this was the ultimate keeping yeah, us on our toes. So we're back, baby. Back with a chunky, chunky one. And we will return with all the things we touched on in this episode and and more. Who knows what? You just wait. We'll keep see. you on your toes, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Until next time. Bizu, bizu. Bizu.